this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. So it's Palm Sunday, the start of Holy Week, and as we pay close attention to this events of this week that we will call holy, I just encourage you not to just skip now to the happy ending next Sunday with the empty tomb and the stone rolled away and the encounter in the garden. I encourage you in your own devotional time this week to read any four of the gospel's accounts of this faithful last week, of what happens, of what transpired. It's easy, I think, to want to skip to the happy part. But uh, all week long, we're going to have devotionals that we'll share at noon on Facebook that you can watch and be a part of each day. And then also on Thursday night, we have a Monday, Thursday service that will start here in the sanctuary. And our plan is to head out to those outdoor crosses, and that's at 7 p.m. So I'd encourage you to pay attention to these events as you can, because I think Easter Sunday will be all the more meaningful if you do. So our passage today is in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 12, and I'm going to read to verse 19. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, raised him from the dead, continued to testify. It was also because they heard that he had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, You see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. You see, you can do nothing. The world has gone after him. Months ago, when I was planning for this Sunday, I actually planned to stop reading earlier in verse 16. But then as I was studying this week and reading both before and after this passage, I was struck by that verse. You see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. It's one of the things I love about studying scripture, frankly, that you can read a text and find different insights each and every time. Call it the Holy Spirit and the way it works. Suddenly, a verse you've heard and read a million times hits you in a new way. And it was that verse, look, The world has gone after him. That struck me 
Some of the Pharisees said that after watching the parade of palms that day. Of course, they mentioned that Jesus had called Lazarus out of the tomb. You don't do that without getting noticed. They, they knew that he had performed signs, that he had healed people, that he had turned water into wine, that he had fed thousands of people on a hillside with just a few bread and fish. Consider this the pinnacle of Jesus' popularity and notoriety. And not everyone watching that parade that day loved what they saw. We can do nothing The world has gone after him. Pharisees were not bad people. Pharisees were people who took their faith seriously. They were people who tried to live out every single aspect of their life to make it holy and sacred. They were not bad people, but they were regularly bumping heads with Jesus, who was quite frequently willing to step over the rules to get to the heart of faith. You know, there's a time when Jesus is criticized for healing a woman on the Sabbath. And Jesus essentially says, look, you would get your ox out of a ditch. (laughs) Jesus regularly challenged the rigid application of law over the welfare of human suffering. Look, they said, the world has gone after him. Not everybody loved what they saw that day. The Pharisees were alarmed. That line stood out to me because it tells me just how frightened the powers that be must have been when they watched the crowd swarm Jesus, waving palms, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, and they proclaim him king, king. Of course, it wasn't really the whole world there, right? Even though that's what they said, it probably just felt like the whole world was there, especially when what you are watching happens makes you very nervous and scared. And when people get scared, that's when trouble happens. I mean, just look at the gamut of all of human history, we know fear is a powerful motivator. Fear can be a weapon. When people are scared, they do crazy things. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. It's scary to hear that when you're the one holding the keys to the temple and the palace. It's scary to hear someone proclaimed as king when you are one of the powers that be. They watch the crowd lay their palms. They watch him proclaim him king, and it scares them. And John even references a passage from Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And actually, if you keep reading Zechariah, it's quite beautiful text. It goes on to say, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the bow of war will be broken, and then he will proclaim peace to the nations. 
His dominion will extend from sea to sea and from the Euphrates to the ends of the earth. It must have sounded wonderful to everyone except the ones holding the keys to the palace. Look, we can do nothing. The whole world has gone after him. Now for you and for me, parades are fun. They're happy and joyful. They unite a community around our shared love of watching big men riding in tiny little cars. We love parades, right? I love parades. Zach horrified me. He said he doesn't enjoy parades. And I thought, what? I mean, the bands, the floats, the scouts, the, the, I, love, I love waving at Santa at the end of the Christmas parade. You're never too old for that. I love that uh, never-ending Veterans Day parade that Hopkins County has. I've yet to been strong enough to stand till the end of it, but one day I hope to do that. I love parades, but a parade in the first century, a parade in the Roman Empire was different. Parades then were meant to convey power, strength, and might. A parade was meant to let you know who was in charge. You Just imagine soldiers marching in formation, the finest in military gear, the biggest forces that they had, a military parade. Just picture any clip you have seen of military parades throughout history, and you know what they are meant to convey. Power, strength, and might. We're the ones in charge. And what the writer of all the Gospels take for granted that we all know today is that there was another parade happening. Pilate, the Roman governor who lived at Caesarea by the sea at Passover would always parade into the holy city of Jerusalem, the seat of power and authority because it was a nice way to remind the Jewish people that they worshiped at Rome's good graces. It was a nice way to remind everybody who was really in charge. And here comes Jesus's parade today. Clip-clop, clip-clop. He's on a donkey. Can you, it, it couldn't have been a smooth ride, could it? Uh, he's on a donkey. It's not a war animal. This is a poor man's horse. This is a working animal. He's riding on it. His feet were probably dragging the ground, and the people are eating it up. The crowds swarm. They wave their palms. They cheer him on. They call him king. They call him king. This parade is less a show of power and might. It is more a protest march. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They wave palms and they love it today. Today. But by Friday, crowds are fickle. By Friday, when they realize he's not going to be the king, that they imagined. By Friday, when the powers of Rome and religiosity just seem so 
strong and so powerful they don't think they can bend, by Friday, the crowds will change. And soon, the crowds will be cheering for his death. We know that. One writer wrote, only Jesus knew that this event was actually a funeral procession. There's a sadness in the air today. There's a sadness in the air as we watch him be betrayed, arrested, and denied by those who know and love him best. There's a sadness in the air as we watch him get a bowl of water and one by one he washes his disciples' feet. We watch him come not in strength and might, but in humility and with mercy. We watch as he parades in peace. And we watch as instead of fighting back, he chooses to heal and pray through the fears in the garden and he will draw all the world to himself. All the hurting, all the broken, all the lost, the sinner, you, me, all the world to himself. Look, the world has gone after him, and gone after him they will. Pilate called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who's perverting the people, and here I've examined him in your presence. I've not found this man guilty of any of your charges, and neither has Herod, for he has sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. And then the crowds all shouted together, Away with this fellow, release Barabbas for us. Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to him, Why, what evil has he done? I found him no ground for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. Amen. Amen.